Hey, 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 good morning. Good morning. It's Friday. It's time for a new episode of the Sports Wagon Podcast, episode 113. It's your man, Uncle Dub, and you know where to find me Instagram and Twitter. It's Uncle Dub, I T S U N C L E underscore D U B. Wow. Jam packed show today. A lot of stuff. Uh, it's championship weekend in college football. Uh, we got a little bit of college basketball to talk about, but first, before we get into that, let's start in the world of Major League Baseball. So, Major League Baseball, their collective bargaining agreement expired this past Wednesday at 11.59 uh, p.m. So, per the league commissioner, Rob Manfred, uh, baseball is now in their first lockout since 1990. The lockout took effect at 12.01 a.m. on Thursday. This is the ninth work stoppage that Major League Baseball has uh, been affiliated with. Um, so basically what that means is simple, simply this. Teams and players cannot communicate in any way. Trades end immediately. So And then there's also been a lot of um, uh, signings, free agent signings. So those took place prior to the expiration of the CBA. Um, so those... Uh, those free agent signings will happen. It's just they cannot be ratified now because I think what uh, Max Scherzer is on his way to the Mets. So that was a blockbuster deal that I saw and was going to talk about it. But now, right now, it's, you know, doesn't matter because nobody can do anything. Also, um, the winter meetings, which are starting to ramp up, they have been canceled until the labor impasse can be resolved. So what does this mean for the season? It means that depending upon uh, if both sides can come to an agreement, which, you know, any labor dispute, that's your your, your bottom line, um, they would have to strike a deal at least by March. So what that means, because what usually pitchers and catchers will report in February. So if they strike a deal by March, there's still enough time to start the season to, um, you know, at least get some of spring training in they probably will cut down on the number of spring training games will still start the season on time if it goes past march then there's a possibility games will be lost the season gets shortened all that stuff that comes along with these sorts of issues now the question is how far apart are the two sides apparently they're pretty far apart it's like a chasm between these two sides so as always money is the main issue um and the union, so the union is led by former player uh, Tony Clark. He represents the union side. The union wants more money for younger players. They want, I believe, a lower luxury tax. And the reason for this is salaries overall have decreased by 8.7% 8, 8 in the last five years. Major League Baseball, they want an expanded playoffs with no increase in salary. So, those are the two sides. That's where they are. And initially, when that was brought to light, it seems like, okay, well, okay, this doesn't look too bad. But the issues keep you know, expanding because, again, we're talking money. And as they talk more about money and paying players and all this stuff, again, that chasm between those two sides continues to get larger and larger. So um, how long this is going to go is beyond me. I mean, again, those who are close to baseball – they would have a better feel for it, but no one likes a work stoppage. And with baseball, to me, at least from my personal experience, 
when work stoppages happen in baseball, I remember the, one of the ones that happened in, I want to say, the 90s. And at that point, I was pretty fed up <coughs> Excuse me, with baseball. And I was just like, I, I can't believe that this keeps happening because in the 80s, there were a few work stoppages. But in the 90s, you know, at that point, it seems like there was a long uh, it, it was like a, a, a long, I'm sorry, late eighties rather. Cause the last one was in 1990. So, uh, first lockout, but they've had work stoppages and there was a long period where they had no work stoppages and here comes another one. And I was just like, you know what? I'm tired of this. Um, to me, I mean, you know, you being younger, I'm like, Oh, you know, why is it all about money and this, that, and the third, you know? And of course this is younger me being very, Oh, you know, it's about playing the games, sport and, you know, not knowing about how contracts worked and free agency, you know, I didn't really understand or care about those things, but we all know that money drives this thing. And so if money is the main sticking point with the league saying they want no increase in salaries, the union saying they want increasing salaries, especially for younger players, there's going to have to be a lot of work done to get this deal struck. I mean, there's time. I mean, we're only uh, in December. We're, you know, we're close to Christmas. And there's no telling how this is going to play over Christmas. I mean, will they try to make some movement over Christmas? But when it starts to get mid-January into February and this thing's still dragging out, it's not going to look too good. So we'll keep an eye on that to see how that goes. The only thing that's really um, moving right now in baseball is a lot with the uh, Hall of Fame balloting and all that good stuff. So I think soon we'll know uh, who will be enshrined in Cooperstown. So when that drops, we'll let you know that as well. Uh, NFL, Thursday Night Football, your Dallas Cowboys, 27-17 over New Orleans. Dak Prescott goes 26 for 40, 238 yards, a touchdown and an interception. Taysom Hill, 19 for 41, 264 yards, two touchdowns and four interceptions. That Dallas defense got on Taysom Hill and didn't get off of him until New Orleans warmed up the bus for them to all get out of there. So with that said, Dallas goes to 8-4. They visit the Washington football team on Sunday, December 12th, 1 p.m. on Fox. The Saints are now 5-7. They go to visit the Jets, 1 p.m. CBS, Sunday, December 12th. All right, uh, college basketball. So um, Tuesday night, number one, Duke falls to Ohio State. Um, Duke just went cold in the second half. Um, Again, still a solid team, but the, the, the thing about any team, I'm, you know, any team that shoots well from the outside is very simple that you live by the three, you die by the three. And there's sometimes you get a team that they can't miss. And then sometimes you get a team that they'll be hot, 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 and they keep hitting. And the next thing you know, it just drops off. And that's what happened to Duke. They just could not score baskets to save their life. And, and Ohio State took advantage of that. So more likely we're going to have a new number one uh, in the polls uh, upcoming on Monday, so we'll talk top 10, as we always do, to start the week on Monday. Saturday, uh, only ranked game in, on the men's side, uh, 8 p.m. ESPN2, number 16, Alabama, visits number three, Gonzaga. That ought to be interesting. Um, you know, Duke took down Gonzaga. Uh, Gonzaga falls number three. Again, you know, they lose a game. Big whoopty freaking do. It's early, but here comes another test from uh, a, a pretty good Alabama team uh, led by head coach Nate Oates. 
on the women's side, we had some games from last night. Uh, number two, NC State beats number six, Indiana, 66-58 in Bloomington. So part of the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Uh, Diamond Johnson, 19 points for NC State. Mackenzie Holmes led Indiana with 24 points. Number 12, Michigan uh, falls to Louisville, 70-48. Emily Engsler, double-double, 18 points and 14 rebounds for the Cardinals. Naz Hillman, 12 points, 8 rebounds for Michigan. Uh, nice little doubleheader games on the women's side on Sunday. Number 24, Notre Dame visits Campbell Pavilion to take on number two, UConn, noon on Fox Sports 1. Number 15, Texas goes to number 17, Texas A&M, 4 p.m. on the SEC Network. So check all that out uh, for uh, check. Well, check all of that because it's going to be uh, a pretty good, uh, a pretty good weekend. Um, we're still kind of in this slow period where, you know, we're getting some ranked games. But again, we're starting to see that conference play on I know the men's side for sure. And maybe in some women's conferences, some of the conference play is starting to ramp up. So we're going to start to see more of these uh, maybe some more uh, ranked matchups. But then, of course, conference play begins and there's going to be some ranked teams that are in similar conferences. Um Staying with women's basketball, the WNBA will have their draft lottery on December 19th at 3 p.m. That will be broadcast on ESPN. So um, what's interesting about this, well, they're going to have it between, uh, so there's going to be a college basketball doubleheader. So they'll have the draft lottery between uh, women's college basketball doubleheader. So your teams that are, uh, in the draft lottery, the Indiana Fever, the Atlanta Dream, the Washington Mystics, and the Dallas Wings. So they rank these teams based on their combined records for 2020 and 2021. The Fever have 442 out of 1,000 chances for the top pick. They are guaranteed at least the third pick in the draft. And looking at some of these draft boards, I can only find one, and I'm going to try to find a few more. But currently, and it's kind of who I thought... Ryan Howard from Kentucky is currently projected to be the number one pick. Now, if you remember, and I think we did talk about this, if you remember this, Ryan Howard could have graduated early. She could have left Kentucky early, and she would have been the number one pick. Instead, she stayed, so she's staying for one more year in Kentucky. Uh, so she's a small forward. She's 6'2". She's projected to go number one. So, again, to whom? Uh, potentially Indiana. But you've got Indiana, Atlanta, Dallas, and Washington. So right now... On uh, this current draft board I'm looking at, I think this is lines.com. Uh, they got Ryan Howard first to Indiana, Melissa Smith from Baylor, number two to Atlanta, uh, Ashley Jones of Iowa State to Dallas at third, and Naz Hillman from Michigan at number four to the Mystics. So, um, going to be interesting to see um, how this all how this all goes. Uh, as far as where the, uh, the the draft will lie, but also too, it, it, it's nice to look at these mock drafts. But there's a lot of season left to be played, and stock will go up, stock will go down, and as we always see, there's usually one or two players that either are far down the draft board or not even on the draft board will find themselves maybe pushing to the top ten based upon their play, their performance. Um, and then, of course, if their team goes into the postseason and they have uh, an expanded period of time to perform, 
then you get to see more of them play. And then, of course, that also helps to increase their draft stock. So um, a lot of basketball to be played. And it's going to be interesting to see you know, how this all plays out. Uh, the NBA draft is the WNBA draft is usually in uh, April. It's around April time frame. So not too long after the uh, the women conclude uh, playing for the national title. All right. So let's go ahead and get into our college football segment. Um, let's see. So let's start with the news and notes for today. Um, Adrian Martinez. So the quarterback from Nebraska, uh, three-time team captain, enters the transfer portal. So Martinez holds Nebraska career records for total offense, completion, and 250-yard passing games. He holds the single-season records for completion percentage and games with 300 plus yards of total offense. Um, Scott Frost, uh, so it kind of in getting the you know the the nod of approval from uh, Nebraska athletic director Trev, Al- Trev Alberts, basically said, okay, you know we're going to retain you, we're going to you know restructure your contract so you can pay some assistance. So in re uh, reinvigorating or kind of uh, reshuffling his staff. Scott Frost fired all but one offensive assistant last month. And one of those was quarterback coach Marco Verduzco, who worked directly with Adrian Martinez. Um, So and there were comments made that I think Scott Frost kind of had a feeling that, you know, maybe, you know, Adrian was going to make the leap. He, you know, he kind of said, you know, his future is up to him, you know, and he kind of lifted at that. And he's going to be highly sought out. Uh, in the transfer portal, um, the college football playoff board they have they have yet and are still unable to reach consensus on the playoff expansion. So they have tabled this discussion again until January, and the decision must be made by January to ensure that the change occurs by the twenty twenty four season. So that was the target. So the question is, okay, how much do we expand this thing? And I've always said the 12-team playoff doesn't make a lick of sense. I've always advocated for eight. However, um, I've been convinced that six could actually probably be a little bit better. And, you know, you kind of work it like the NFL playoffs. Um, So two issues that are kind of making this discussion difficult because again much like with baseball here with the college football playoff there are two sides and two major issues the first issue is how much of an impact will the change in format have on the rose bowl so the rose bowl uh is one of our new year six bowls but at the same time too sometimes it acts as a semi-final game for the national championship and even when that happens um People who, you know, if you're familiar with college football, the Rose Bowl is probably, you know, it's they call it the granddaddy of them all for a reason. It's it's a very, uh, you know, a lot of tradition. It's always been at least when you know I grew up, it was always uh, Big Ten versus Pac-12 or Pac-10 at the time. Well, you know, whatever, you know, again, I'm constantly dating myself here. But um, now that it's being used in that way, you know, you got a lot of purists who are like, eh, we don't like it, but it's a changing time within college football, da, 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 da. So fine. Um, so now they want to talk, talk about that. The other sticking point is giving out 
automatic bids to Power Five champions, Power Five conference champions, and plus one. And I think of the two issues, this is the issue that I think they're not, most people are not crazy about. Me personally, that's kind of why I said go to eight teams because you can say you've got our five, our power five, okay? So they get, or not necessarily, uh, what am I saying? Power five. So you give out your power five conferences, you give them automatic bids, and then you have three at large. So in other words, the automatic bids only go to your power five conferences. Then from there, you look at, so you would rank everybody outside of that. So whoever wins your power five, they're good. Then for your other three teams, you say, all right, who are the best three teams of, you know, the, the remainder? So if you have a group of five team in there, like a, you know, like a Cincinnati this year, and they're sitting at um, five, they're sitting at position six, and they are the best team, six, seven, eight. So if it's six, seven, eight, those teams will be, uh, given uh, they'll be awarded uh, entrance into the tournament. I, I had this all thought out, but you kind of hopefully get what I'm what I'm saying here. Um, so those are the issues that they are trying to work out, and I, I don't know if it's gonna. I don't know if it's gonna really. Uh, I, I don't know. If, I mean, it has to be resolved in January. Will it get resolved in January? Who knows. Um, I'm sure someone's going to come up with a brilliant idea to make everybody happy. And then they go from there to ensure that this thing gets done by the 2024 season. All right. Um, wow. A lot of coaching changes. And what's crazy about the coaching changes is these things have kind of been in flux over the last few days. Like this, this page of my notes, I've had to put stuff in the, in the, in the, um, in the margins, I've had to erase stuff. I had to add a couple things that happened right in the moment as I'm writing the show. Um, and really, uh, let's just take this thing from the top. Um, so coaching changes, Virginia tech hires Brent Pry. So before, uh, he was Virginia tech's head coach. He was the defensive coordinator at Penn state. He spent seven years on the staff with James, James Franklin staff, both at Penn state and Vanderbilt. Um, his link he was a graduate assistant at Virginia Tech in the mid-1990s. So in his uh, introductory press conference, he, he got a little emotional. He thanked uh, Frank Beamer, who was at the press conference. He thanked Bud Foster. Um, you know, Br Bud, uh, Frank Beamer for giving him a chance. And then he worked with Bud Foster uh, as a graduate assistant. So now the, uh, they gave him the, the, keys, to the keys to the kingdom. Uh, so Brett Pry is the new head coach in Blacksburg. Um, and he is keeping on interim coach J.C. Price as his associate head coach. And uh, I think he's still going to be defensive line coach. Um, so uh, the other really big news, actually, I'll save this one. This is this broke last night. Uh, Brian Kelly. <laughs> so we've all talked about this one for the last few days. We've had our time to kind of stew over it, you know, depending on what side of the fence you are about Brian Kelly. And then you've kind of maybe been on the edge of your seat trying to figure out how this is going to work. Brian Kelly leaves Notre Dame to go to LSU. He gets a 10-year, $95 million contract. Um, Notre Dame athletic director Jack Swarbrick, in his press conference after Kelly announced he was leaving, said, you know, 
I kind of had a feeling he wanted to leave, but not because things were bad. I mean, think about this. Brian Kelly left as the all-time winningest coach in the program's history. Um, He essentially reestablished the foundation. I mean, that program is in fantastic shape. I mean, if Brian Kelly had stayed, it's just a matter of continuing to build and push and try to you know get over that hump. Because again, as we know, they've had playoff appearances, they've you know been to championship games and gotten completely just washed on the field, and then they've had semifinal appearances where either they've you know they've won or they've gotten washed in the field. So again, it's just not to say that Notre Dame doesn't have talent. Notre Dame has talent, but then you're seeing them up against that Ohio State's and Alabama's of the world. And, well, you can kind of see that both sides are talented, but one side, they're slightly more talented. You know what I'm saying? So it's just that kind of thing that, you know, and I wouldn't say it's bothersome. It's just the, the state of the world as it is in college football that, you know, some folks have talent, but, I mean, we're talking like, you know, just super talent, you know, Um but um, the the big news, and this broke, and then this broke this morning. For after Kelly left, there was a lot of talk about defensive coordinator Marcus Freeman taking over as head coach, and our own uh, Notre Dame correspondent Eric Kelly was, you know, if you listen to the episode on Wednesday, he really was like, hey, you know, and even in the first episode where he came on, he said, you know. If the time came when Kelly was ready to step aside, he should be the next head coach. Like I think I asked him about, or we talked, we got into that conversation. Nevertheless, this morning, Marcus Freeman, 35 years old, is the new is the new head coach at Notre Dame. He'll be introduced in a press conference Monday at 2 p.m. So, plus, prior to him being named as head coach, uh, athletic director Jack Swarbrick met with all of the staff. Everyone is coming back, so the staff is retained. So the st- so no change in staff, just elevating the defensive coordinator into the head coaching position. Um, this broke last night. Uh, Bronco Mendenhall resigns at, at UVA after six seasons, where he went thirty six and thirty eight. Um, so there was six and six this season. They're bowl eligible. He will coach the team in the bowl game, whatever game they will they will be going to. Um, 2019 Coastal Division champions. Uh, the program went to their first New Year's Six Bowl that year versus Florida. Um, under Mendenhall, they broke the, uh, the the losing streak against arch rival Virginia Tech. Um, in his 17 years as head coach, he was 135 and 81. He has the eighth highest winning percentage among active FBS coaches. Approximately 63% of his games, he's won. Um, I'll talk a little bit more about. Uh, Coach Mendenhall's decision a little bit later in the show. Um, so there's an interesting, not interesting reason. There's a really, a, a really heartwarming reason why he left, and we'll we'll talk about that. Now, the discussion <laughs> amongst fans. And so I've kind of been listening in, and uh, there's been some spaces on Twitter talking about you know Virginia football. So after the Tech loss and you know, all the things going with the program. So a lot of discussion has been around uh, former All-American safety Anthony Poindexter, who is currently the safeties coach and co-defensive coordinator at Penn State. Man, listen, I don't know what's going to happen, but if they can get Poindexter to come back home and coach UVA, 
James Franklin, I guarantee you, this man is going to get a giant map hanging in his office. He's going to circle the state of Virginia with a with a Sharpie, and he's going to go, I hate y'all. Because <laughs> he's already lost Brent Pry to Virginia Tech. Wouldn't it be wild if Virginia could, you know, again, this is the talk. I don't know what's going to happen, but, yeah, um, that would be interesting. Um um, he was, as I mentioned, Poindexter All-Americans, uh, All-American Safety of Virginia. He's in the College Football Hall of Fame. He will be inducted into the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame next year. He was a graduate assistant and assistant coach for 10 years at Virginia. Then he went to Connecticut, Purdue, and now he's at Penn State. So, again, it's going to be interesting to see how this is going to go. But, I mean, Bronco Hall coming to Virginia was a big surprise. No one saw that coming. So, now, does Virginia kind of do this whole you know you know magic trick and they come up with this really great hire um but the one thing i can say about both the notre dame job and the virginia job is you're losing coaches who who established a really strong foundation so now who you know for notre dame it's it's marcus freeman and for virginia it's yet to be determined it's like a relay so once we hand off to the next guy they can keep it going. So there's no building here. It's just keeping the momentum going. And uh, again, it's going to be interesting to see how this is going to go. All right. So we're going to take a break here. When we come back, we're going to get briefly into this college football playoff tops, top six. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about championship Saturday, the picks. We'll do dubs and L's, your favorite part of the show for Friday. We didn't have it last week. We got dubs and L's. And then we'll finish off the show. Stay tuned. everybody welcome back so i hope you enjoyed the interlude so i'm gonna put on my dj voice for just a second so i hope you enjoyed the interlude um courtesy of 
um, our uh, resident um, musical director, DJ Can One. Appreciate you, brother. Uh, shout out to you, um, as always, coming with the with the with the hotness. Um, so hope you enjoyed that, um, and we'll move into the second part of the show. So <clears throat> I'm going back to my regular voice. Um, so college football top six. Um, number one, Georgia, number two, Michigan, number three, Alabama, number four, Cincinnati, number five, Oklahoma State, and number six, Notre Dame. So we know it's championship Saturday, so we know Georgia and Alabama playing the SEC championship. We'll talk about that in a moment. Michigan, Iowa, Big Twelve, uh, Big Ten championship, rather. Um, uh, Cincinnati, Houston, the uh, AAC. Oklahoma State is playing Baylor. They're going to be in the Big – they're going to be in the Big 12. And then Notre Dame, I believe, is idle. So – We'll get to our picks in just a moment. Um, a couple other note, news and notes. Um, the final rankings uh, for CFP will be on Sunday. So you usually do that about noon on Sunday. And also they'll do all the bowl pairings. So you'll get to see excuse me, you'll get to see that on ESPN. And they'll spend, gosh almighty, probably a good 45 minutes trying to get us to know who the top four teams are. And then they'll spend another 20 minutes talking to all the coaches who are in. They'll spend another 20 minutes talking to all the coaches we didn't get in. Then they'll finally, after they start, stop pontificating about who did what, when, where, why, and how, and who didn't get in, then we'll get into all the bowl pairings, which, frankly, I think I watched just to hear the top four. Then I skipped the rest of the interviews. You're going to hear it ad nauseum for the rest of the weekend and into the next week. Um, then I'll just read all the bowl pairings on um, – on uh, ESPN and of course with social media. If you're following your team on social media, you know you're going to get a big announcement about that. So it's whatever. Um, the Heisman. So um, the Heisman finalists will be announced on Monday. They have said uh, through a press release that they will invite four finalists to New York City for the announcement of the of the awards. So we'll go through the Heisman finalists. We'll at least announce them, and hopefully before we get out of here for the end of the season, uh, which is coming very soon. I'll do a little overview like I did last year of the Heisman finalists and kind of give you my pick. I mean, you know, for what it's worth. I mean, last year, missed the boat. But, I mean, again, who, who can really predict these things? But, um, yeah, so we'll, we'll see how that goes. All right, let's go for championship weekend. So we've got several games on championship weekend. We'll start tonight. Uh, we'll start in San Antonio, the Alamo Dome, 7 p.m. CBS Sports Network. Western Kentucky, three and a half point favorites, will take on University of Texas San Antonio, who are 11 and 1 for the Conference USA Championship. I'll take San Antonio. They actually had a really good season, and their head coach, um, oh my gosh, last name Trailer, first name is escaping me. Anyway, hot name and coaching. Then he got a huge contract uh, extension, so no one's touching him for a long time unless the job of a lifetime came over. You, you know how it works. You know, we're going to give you this big contract. And if you leave, we're going to take some of that money back <laughs> or someone's paying us or whatever. But anyway, um, I'll take San Antonio in that game. Um, 8 p.m. ABC, Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas, number 10, Oregon versus number 17, Utah, who are two and a half point favorites in the Pac-12 championship. I'll take Utah again because Utah did beat uh, Oregon the first time. I'm going to take Utah again uh, to win the Pac-12 championship. Saturday slate, uh, noon, ABC from Jerry's World in Arlington, Texas, AT&T Stadium, number nine, Baylor versus number five, Oklahoma State, who are five and a half point favorites. I'll take the Cowboys to win the Big 12. 3 p.m. Fox from Carson, California, the Mountain West Championship, Utah State versus number 19, San Diego State, who are six point favorites. I'll take the Aztecs over Utah State. 
Uh, yeah, yeah. I was going to take Utah State for that. I think I'll take San Diego State. 4 p.m., Mercedes-Benz Stadium in the ATL, the SEC Championship, number one, Georgia, six-and-a-half-point favorites versus number three, Alabama. I'm going to take the Bulldogs to finish the deal and go into the college football playoff undefeated. Um, the American Athletic Championship, American Athletic Conference Championship, 4 p.m. ABC from Nippert Stadium in Cincinnati, number 21, Houston versus number four, Cincinnati, who are 10.5-point favorites. Call me crazy. I, look. I'm just going to say this right off the bat. I I have been pulling for Cincinnati, and I still am. I smell upset. I'm taking Houston in this one. I'm smelling upset. I hope it doesn't happen. Now, in my heart, I always say this. In my heart, I want Cincinnati to win this thing and keep going. But I don't know. I'm looking at the numbers. I'm kind of thinking about what Houston typically does. I'm smelling upset. I'm going to take Houston in this one. If I get it right. If I get it wrong, who cares, right? Um, 8 p.m. Fox from Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis. Number two, Michigan, four and a half point favorites go up against number 13, Iowa. I'm going to take the, the Wolverines um, to finish the deal, and they will more likely finish number two in the in the CFP. And who would have thunk it? Because we remember what Michigan has been going through over the last few years, and now they are on the cusp of playoff, having opportunity to play for a national championship. I mean, and, and really – when you think about it, when Michigan hired Jim Harbaugh, this was supposed to be what happens every year. You know, I mean, even I was kind of like, wow, that's a you know a big hire, you know, considering we know what, what Jim Harbaugh can do. And it's weird that he goes to his alma mater and there's been so much struggle. There's been so much turmoil and struggle. And then, of course, you know, you got to change, you know, coordinators defensively, offensively. You, I mean, I just didn't think all this turnover and tinkering and turmoil would take so long for Jim Harbaugh to get to this point. But I mean, I'm glad he's here. I mean, you know, um, I've always said that, you know, when, when a team like Michigan, a program like Michigan is not in the game, like, you know, we're not talking about them. It's weird, but I'm glad that they are on the cusp and uh, you know, we'll see how this turns out. But I like Michigan last game of the night, 8 PM from bank of America stadium in Charlotte, uh, ABC, Number 15, Pitt, three-point favorites versus number 16, Wake Forest. I'm going to take Pittsburgh. I think with Pitt, it's not so much defense. Remember Kenny Pickett? He is number one on Mel Kuyper's board for quarterbacks. Um, I think so you've got Wake Forest, which is, you know, can put up numbers. Pitt, they can put up numbers, but not like Wake Forest. However, I think on the defensive side, you know, one thing I always – kind of feel some kind of way about not not in a bad way but Pat Narduzzi the way that he just his defenses they're they're just so tough and I think Pitt is going to have enough in the tank I think to kind of tame Wake Forest I mean I don't know if it's going to be a three-point game hmm. if it's a three-point game it's going to be three-point game going Pitt's direction in other words I think Pitt slows Wake Forest down enough to make the three-point game I think it might be a little bit more than three points so that's kind of my take on championship Saturday all right so let's get to want to do dubs and let's do dubs and L's here um that's a couple things so um we'll start with the L I mean (laughs) maybe maybe we just get the bad out of the way I'm always uh feeling some kind of way about starting with the L but you know this is just one of those things it's like okay it has to be said we have to deal with the elephant in the room the L so Antonio Brown so I talked about his uh the allegations of him buying 
uh, fake vaccine cards. And I guess the allegations tended to lean towards them being correct. So yesterday, the NFL suspended him three games for violating league COVID protocols. So you go, why is that an L? Okay, yeah, A.B. broke the rules. But let me ask you a question. Didn't Aaron Rodgers break the rules? Hmm. So let me get this straight. You've got two guys who are, you know, their status in the league is pretty big. Now, Antonio Brown, unfortunately, is a little bit more notorious for the things he does. But, yeah, he gets suspended for three games. And then the joke has been, and I may have alluded to this, the joke has been, dude, why don't you just pay him the money that you owed him and maybe this would have all gone away. This wouldn't have been a big deal. Again, in some ways that was a mixed blessing because, okay, let's say he paid this guy the money, he gets these fake vaccine cards, or the story was he didn't get them from this guy, but he got them, but he said he got them from somebody else. So still he's doing something wrong because he's telling people he's vaccinated, he's protected when he's not. So that's still bad. So this is all bad regardless. But my point here is, here's the NFL again, doling out punishment unevenly. Look at what Aaron Rodgers did. They had other team officials pointing at Green Bay going, they are literally breaking COVID protocols in our faces and the league's not doing anything about it. But again, we want to talk about how you know, the NFL is doing all these great things, but they can't dole out. I mean, well, they've always doled out punishment unevenly. Always, always, always. But I don't know. I mean, again, yet another reason out of three, uh, three, 36,000 reasons why I just cannot rock with the NFL from a, you know, from a support standpoint. Because, again, if you're going to literally be that blatant and suspend Aaron uh, Antonio Brown, then why can't Aaron Rodgers get fined or something? I mean, come on now. Let, let's, 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 you know, let's step this up. But nevertheless, you know, it, at this point, it is what it is. No one's going to do anything about it. And hopefully you're aware, you're aware of how just inconsistent this is. So the inconsistency is the L. And I think the NFL, I mean, is this the second or third time I've given the NFL an L on this segment? Uh, maybe I should give an award for who got the most L's this year because dubs just kind of are one of those things that just kind of go around. You know, you kind of spread the love, but the L's, it just seems to be the same MFers every time get L's. And it's kind of sad when you think about it. But again, it just shows you yet again how messed up the NFL is. Um, My dubs. So I have two dubs. Um, This first one is kind of more kind of, I guess, a, I guess a congratulatory kind of pat on the back to Notre Dame's Jack Swarbrick and Father Jenkins, the president of, univer- of the university, uh, in their, I guess, their infinite wisdom to elevate Marcus Freeman to the head coaching job. So here you have um, the second, because I had to think about this, the second black head coach at Notre Dame. So uh, <laughs> here we are in 2022, and it's their second black head coach. Um now, here's the thing I want to, well, a couple things I want to say about. It. Number one, I hope that time and I hope time has taught this athletic department a lesson. So I've talked about Tyrone Willingham on this, on this program and how he was not given the time and the fair shake he needed to do the things he needed to do to establish himself in Notre Dame. So I hope time and wisdom will 
allow this athletic department to not listen to the outside noise if things get a little rocky and start going, well, maybe we need to make a change. You're hiring a guy who's 35. The players love him. He is making inroads, big-time inroads in recruiting. He is that guy. So I hope that the athletic department has the wisdom to essentially has the has the wisdom to essentially say, you know, we believe in you and we're going to give you the time to do this, to do this the right way. The nice thing about this, as I mentioned earlier in the show, is that the foundation has been set. All he has to do is continue building upon that foundation and doing the things that he knows how to do to make that program great. So that's what I say to that. But the other piece to that is that, you know, uh, Notre Dame uh, last season hired, um, you know, brought back Neil Ivey as their uh, as their women's basketball coach to replace uh, Muffet McGraw, uh, a basketball legend. And that was kind of a no brainer. I mean, when it happened, I was like, oh, I was excited. I'm going that make total sense. But it is. Again, another pound back to Notre Dame for recognizing uh, talented individuals that either were part of their family as students or talented individuals who came due to, you know, uh, a work situation. So Brian Kelly hired Marcus Freeman, great defensive coordinator, uh, superb guy. You know, again, I've, you know, our friend Eric told us about him. We I've read about him. I've seen him and, you know, seen some things and, and, and I'm really interested to I want to watch the press conference I might be able to watch some of it but I probably be able to watch all of it but um I think as a message of trying to put more representation in these positions I think is big and I'm not going to sit here and say that Notre Dame is um you know solving the the diversity issues in college sports not not at all but what they are doing is they are setting an example at that level to say, you know, you know, we're committed to hiring these candidates and we know that they're going to do great job, great, great work. Um, you know, Neil, like I said, Neil Ivy made sense. You know, she led the program to the first national title. She was basically uh, the architect as the, the recruiter of those teams that won, you know, the next national championship. And I think, as I've said in this program before, I think she's going to be an architect of more national championships um, to come. They're doing really well now. I think they're ranked 24th currently. Um, but again, I say it on this program, I keep saying it, representation matters and it matters greatly. And I have to give Notre Dame's athletic department um, a pat on the back and Father Jenkins a pat on the back for just, you know, committing to representation. My other dub is for uh, head coach uh, Bronco Mendenhall at Virginia and his reasons for leaving. You know, initially I was thinking, well, what's going on? You know, I'm thinking the season was not great, but it wasn't that bad, you know. And for him, it was more about trying to I guess refresh himself. So he he basically says that at the end of every season, he starts to take stock of, okay, where am I? How do I feel? What do I do next? And for him, he said that, you know, he's got a number of things going on. Number one, he goes, him and his wife have been married 25 years. And he goes, it's just been football for us. 
his children are out of the house in January. Him and his wife will be empty nesters. And he said that it's time for me to kind of recommit myself to, you know, refreshing myself, to recommitting myself to, you know, getting to know my wife and kind of readjusting our lives to just being just being us. And when you hear things like that, you think, you know, we should all be so um, we should all be so inwardly thinking to where we're reevaluating ourselves. We take a particular point in, in a year, maybe six months into a year, you give yourself a reevaluation. At the end of a year, you give yourself a reevaluation and you say, okay, what should I be doing now? And I think for him to step away, I think is his reasons for stepping away. You know, I, I think they're great reasons. I mean, again, not that my opinion matters, but the reasoning makes sense. I mean, the AD, Carla Williams asked him to stay. University President Jim Ryan asked him to stay. And he said, listen, I have to do this for myself. And um, as much as we as fans want him to stay, considering all he's accomplished and all we know we can accomplish as a fan, you know, as a hit that, that they've accomplished as a program, um, it would be selfish of us to want him to stay knowing that and he said look it's my choice I want to leave and hey I, I commend him I salute him and I thank him so I thank Coach Mendenhall for just elevating this program again um, just you know we're not in the same conversations as the Ohio States and the Alabamas but we are in a conversation and people are looking at this program and now the next chapter who comes in to, as I said earlier, to get the baton handed off to them and they run and they continue to build upon this. So I'm very um, grateful to Coach Mendenhall and I wish him and his wife the very best um, as they uh, move forward to the next chapter. Because again, and he said for him, this is not a retirement. This is just some time away. And, you know, we'll see him again coaching somewhere um, at some point, hopefully in the not too distant future. Because as I said, he... Uh, when 63% of his games and he's been head coach for 17 years. So, I mean, you know, you can't, you know, you can't really argue with those numbers. Um, as we end the show, we want to say rest in peace to Lee Elder. So uh, on episode 40, I mentioned uh, Lee Elder was um, the first black golfer to play in the Masters in 1975. Um, at that point, he missed the cut. So he was named an honorary starter for the 20 uh the 2020 um for the first for the for the pandemic masters um at that time he was 86 he was uh, an honorary starter he did not actually drive the ball he he was there with his with his uh with his driver and he was there with Gary Player and Jack Nicholas um so he missed the cut in 75 his best finish was tied for 17th in 1979 and in the same year, he played for the U.S. Ryder Cup team. Um, Augusta National created a scholarship in his honor, uh, and the uh, as well as uh, the female, uh, the women's golf program at Payne College, which is at HBCU in Augusta. Um, you know, it's it's very easy to say that without Lee Elder, and I've said this before, there's no Tiger Woods, there's no Harold Varner Jr., there's no Cameron Champ, none of those guys um, would be where they are and, and and really with Tiger Woods, you know, he is essentially, you know, Lee Elder's Lee Elder's wildest dream. 
because you know what you know he went to the masters and 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 endured death threats and then 30 plus years later tiger woods wins the thing so um we say rest in peace to a a a pioneer someone again uh someone in whom the tiger woods of the world the the harold varners the carol the, the cameron champs they stand on his shoulders uh, for me as a non-professional golfer, as somebody who plays the game and loves it but doesn't play it all that well, then I don't play for money. Um, you know, I remember seeing him on TV along with guys like Jim Thorpe and Calvin Pete uh, when, when watching golf with my dad when I was a kid, and I'm going, wow. So, I mean, I knew black people played the game. My dad played, but I'm thinking professional players? Interesting. But... Um, You know, we still have um, a long way to go in many ways because, you know, he's a pioneer in the 70s. And even in 2021, we still are having a lot of firsts. And again, considering where we are and where we're going um, in a lot of ways, because we're seeing a lot of the changes that are happening and they're not for the good. um, The fight doesn't end the fight continues to be recognized as people and to be recognized as equals and with that i end the show and i appreciate you listening today um enjoy the weekend so lots to do lots to watch lots to talk about and when we come back at you next week we'll Try again, and we'll see where we go with this show. But again, um, season finale is coming very soon. Um, so please uh, uh, hit me up on tw- Instagram, Twitter. It's Uncle Dub, I-T-S-U-N-C-L-E underscore D-U-B. Um, rate, subscribe, like the show, uh, You know, share with a friend, uh, spread the word about the show. Um, but until I see you next very shortly, uh, take care of yourself, protect yourself, new variant. It's getting a little serious. Numbers are going back up. Do what you can to protect yourself, your family, your friends. Always remember to drink your water and mind the business that pays you. Peace. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of the Sports Wagon Podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe, rate, review, and tell a friend about the show. You can also send me a voicemail or send me a message on Twitter or Instagram at It's Uncle Dub. That's I-T-S-U-N-C-L-E underscore D-U-B. Also, please consider supporting the podcast at buymeacoffee.com backslash sportswagonpod. I really appreciate your support. Thank you.